the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. It's Cofield and Company. On Oh, later in this hour, we'll get into our wild and woolly plans, all of us. The Cofield and Company crew, man, we like to party. We're all about New Year's. We're all about 2022. Silver Sevens is the spot on this Thursday. It's our spot every Thursday. Las Vegas Bowl is coming up here in two and a half hours. If you're uh, listening to sports radio, you're from out of town. Good warm-up spot, right? 277 on the drinks. So come on down, Flamingo and Paradise. Beers, margaritas, well drinks, shots. 277. Start and end your night here. Walk over to the Strip. It's a perfect place. It would be a good place to end. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people checking in tonight. A lot of people. The garage, very crowded. Uh, you can see the streets are swelling with excitement. A little more traffic out there. I actually tried to uh, make a, a quickie pass past the stadium this afternoon. I was like, oh, okay. Already kind of narrowing the lanes. I was coming from the south. I was coming from your route. Yeah, up Dean Martin. I was like, okay, they're ready at 2.30. Saw a lot of people walking on the Haas. Um, are we going to go with it or not? <laughs> Hacienda Bridge <laughs> dubbed the Haas. The Haas. By Arash Markazi. <laughs> That's not going to work. I mean, listen, if they, when we had this discussion, rest in peace, John Madden was still with us. At a minimum, if they're not going to put a giant, statue of John Madden or somewhere around the Al, the bridge can be the Madden Bridge. The Madden Bridge? Yes, I like why, that. Why not? I like that. What's the rating? I, I don't... Do we have to rate everything yes. still? It, yes, in memory. Well, it's a, it's a, it's, the bridge has a 100. Okay. Isn't that the only number you can give it? A 99. 99. Actually, a 99. It's a 99. It's a 99. Alright, big five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the big five at five. Number five. You know, John Madden was a regular guy. Until he got super rich. He was still a regular guy. That documentary, by the way, awesome. We'll get to that in the Big Five. All Madden. Make sure you watch that this weekend. But that was one of the things that you know, people said about John Madden. And, you know, when we talked to John Robinson, former Rebel coach yesterday, they grew up together. And Coach Robinson, you know, said and has said in the past that, hey, they were, you know, dudes from the streets. Not, you know, not like the mean streets, but they weren't rich guys, right? That's why I can't get down with guys like Jim Kramer. And your boy, Nate Silver. What, what's going on with these guys on social media? Nate Silver had a discussion the other day about, I think he was trying to say that elites are out of touch. Yeah. But then he, he fully admitted he's an elite. And then I guess, did Jim Kramer try to do something with the supply chain? And he tweeted out a picture of, like, empty shelves. But, like, I live around those empty shelves, Jim. That's freaking seasonal crossover aisle. <laughs> All the Christmas stuff was gone. I told they hadn't loaded up the Valentine's. I mean, I'm not saying there aren't supply chain issues, but, like, you, you, like, do you think these guys ever go into a dollar store? No. Ever? Right? It's never happened once, probably. I live in those places. Last, night, uh, last night on the podcast, uh, or, you know, on video, I dug up one of the great things I got from one of the marts here in town. And I literally dug it up. I, I went into a store, and I'm like, all right, Christmas clearance. And I couldn't find anything I wanted, and I was so desperate, I started milling through a box of returns. And I was like, ah! 
<laughs> Plastic balls. Half off. I got what? home. I showed the SO. She's like, face bomb. She's like, what are you going to do with that? We make big salads. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, we had a lot of we had a lot of holiday cookies, and my Tupperware that I currently have was not big enough. So that'll be for that. I will make bigger soups. I'll have. I don't really have a good uh, Tupperware for leftover soup. I'll make big soups. Okay. Okay. And a that's stew? because that's because a, a stew would be lovely. Okay. But that's because unlike Jim Cramer and you know Nate Silver and the elites out there, I work the system. I look for bargains. All the time. Here, let me go to my auction site right very, here. I have to get this bid in soon. You're very, you're I'm very, very thrifty. Very passionate. I'm a man of the people. Passionate about your chief. I, re- I, like I you know what? I, I'm did you did you attend? I mean, all the rage yesterday. The, I, I, I don't. It's a Japanese branded like dollar store essentially. You know, Dai- I didn't know. Daiso, any, I didn't it? know anything about this place, but believe me, it piqued my interest. Uh, I saw it. I was like, all right. It's right. It's a pl- it's a plaza that I'm at almost actually, every day. It's actually pretty. I think it's pretty close to the radio station, right? Is oh, it yeah. off the two fifteen? It's a Royal Crossing, and uh, everything appears to be a dollar fifty or less. Well, some of it some of it is in yen. Okay. So there's conversion charts. Sure. I'm in. I want to check it out. I will. I might see you there. But I don't think Nate Silver and Jim Cramer are going there. He, they're not going to be there. They have no idea. <laughs> as, as as I said, the, the store I was at the other day had it was Christmas Eve. They had. No Christmas things left. It was all Valentine's so Day it's things. So G damn frustrating. It was, I it was very a, frustrating. I had such a bad. I actually took off Monday, uh, probably this last Monday. I went up working. I took off three months ago because I was going to shopping both on the 26th and the 27th. The 26th was such a grind to try to find stuff on clearance. I was kind of glad I, I worked on the 27th. <laughs> okay. So, cause, so that it kept you from going out more? I think it would have been an, an empty trip all day long. Can I? I just I was just laughing because that was a touchdown is trending on Twitter. It's number one trend right now. Oh well. <laughs> on Twitter. I don't blame him. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty shaky call. Tennessee loses to Purdue. Top four. Number four. Wait, is there a bowl game generator by Arby's? Ari stumbled upon this. Okay. A bowl game generator. It seems to have kind of a similar theme because it's Arby's. Sure. But it's why all, not? It's all named after Arby's menu items. So, Ari, did you load this in for each one of us and come up with a bowl name? Yes, absolutely. Okay. It, I dropped everything as soon as I saw it and, and immediately got it. What would you come up with? All right. Uh, Steve is the beefy salad bowl. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> Adam, the famous rat bowl. And mm-hmm. me, the best famous hero bowl. That's How do you say that word? I say hero. Famous Hero Bowl. Famous Gyro Bowl. Gyro? That's, that's what you weirdos call it, but yeah. It's a good point, actually. It was called that often in the Northeast. Hero. Not Hero. Double entendre. I'm a hero. Yes. I'm trying to think of somebody who would fit this, like Larry Sanders. I'm just trying to generate names that are funny based on how it could go. Larry Sanders would be the Juicy Cookie Bowl. Kind of like that's, that. good. that's a good bowl. That's good. That's a good bowl name. <laughs> Well, we are trying to come up with bowl sponsors next year that can top the Mayo Bowl. It's going to be tough. Shane Beamer got mayonnaise poured all over him today. It was disgusting. Arby sauce? Oh, man. Would I? That's rough, but I'll do it. Horsey or Arby sauce? <laughs> oh, that would be dynamite. Uh, no, I'm out. I mean, <laughs> I like both. No. There's not a lot of things 
that, I mean, ugh. Arby's sauce would be awful being poured on you. Really? Just because it's, it is, there is like a stickiness to there it. There is a stickiness and a tanginess to it. Uh, that wouldn't be good. And then on the other, I mean, ho- the horsey sauce, the spiciness I love is the really going to irritate your, your eyes and you gotta, skin. You got to wear goggles. No, you can't. And I, I don't think that Beamer should have been able to wear a hat. That, that was the thing, the hat. Really saved his brow and yeah. his, his eyes. Let, let's see. Let's see the mayo worked into your hair. Into the hair. Oh, isn't isn't that like if if uh, if you have lice, don't you have mayo in your hair? Ari, what? I thought that was on the office. You're bounced with lice. What happened? Uh, I'm not sure if that's a thing, but uh, isn't it peanut? No, that's to get gum Maybe out of your hair. Maybe it's peanut butter. That's no, that's to get gum out. I'm yeah. not sure. There, I, I remember they put something in their hair on the office when they had lice. I can't <sighs> remember what it was. Maybe it was mayo. Did I ever tell you the? I don't know why I do this. Another conversation we had recently about thinking we're we've earned some privacy from SOs and wives when we do these shows. <laughs> sure. Um, did I ever tell you? The, the, I think it was the first time, and I'm not I'm not suggesting it was Nookie, but the first time that I actually slept in a bed with the SO, I woke up with gum in my hair. Oh, like, that's awful. I think I was chewing gum. I went to sleep. It dropped onto the mattress, and it was all in my hair. Were you drunk? How, how, how's, well, <laughs> possibly. How was that for an impression? Uh, well, it worked. <laughs> um, Still together? Yeah, she cut. She actually spent a good part of the morning cutting gum out of my hair. Good bonding experience. It, I mean, Wait, how? It was bad. How much, yeah, how much did it spread? How big was your gum? It was a lot of gum. Isn't it, it must pretty easy to cut it out? We weren't you just going to pull it out. with bubbles? Not good. What are you doing? Huh? Oh, it is. I believe it is mayonnaise in it the hair from the, yes. the, the office. Good. Yeah. All right, all right. Give all right. it a try this year. Top oh. three stories. Thanks, Steve. I will. Number three. Might have to miss a couple of days of work. Uh, Darren Waller may not play this Sunday. We don't know if it's the injury or if he can't clear the COVID deal. I saw something interesting from a rando on Twitter, which I probably shouldn't bring all the randos onto no. the air, but I, I don't know. Someone was challenging uh, the discussion of Waller may play this weekend. He was going to practice saying that uh, he's not going to play. He doesn't want to play, wants a new deal, and he was planning on just sitting out. That's why this this has lasted so long. It's all the grand plan. So I, Yeah, I saw the person said, that this rando that you're pointing out, that it was supposed to be a one- to two-week injury. What happened? According to who? Insider. Sources. No. No. It just seems like all guys to suggest something kind of underhanded. Darren Waller? I will I will say Really? It's silly. I mean Um I, I will say that the people that I spoke to, obviously nobody would go on the record about it because nobody wanted to talk about the injury. Um, because it's a it's a pretty unique injury. The thing that I was told at the beginning of this, was it's almost impossible to set a timeline because it's not—it's something that's, you know, it's not like a obscure rare thing, but it, it doesn't happen that often. So nobody really knows. It's always different how long it's going to take. And the, after one day, there was a lot of improvement, and people were like, okay, maybe it's it's only one to two weeks. But then there was really no improvement for like two weeks on it. So then it was like, all right, we just don't know. And it's been a tricky injury to diagnose. So. It was never supposed to be one of two weeks. It was never a thing. That was never mentioned, talked about, discussed. Um, I don't know where that comes from. Um, I don't think this is about <laughs> renegotiating a new deal. Um, Darren Waller would be I mean, he would go out. 
You know how you get a new deal? You go out and you lead the team to the playoffs. Would you, uh, you know, This person said, do you want to bet he doesn't play the rest of the year? Would you make that bet? I don't think you well, on, on the yes? Here's the thing. Next week? I've said for three weeks, as soon as they're eliminated, they're shutting him down. So if they lose this week, no, he's not playing next week. I can't see that happening. Number two. Boy, last couple of days have been kind of rough. Yeah. A lot of death. A lot Sucks. Of death. Sucks. But I will say the the uh, the day and a half plus that you know John Madden has got in terms of being honored by so many people felt kind of good. You know, you don't want to see anyone it did. pass away. Eighty five years old. But I will tell you, it all comes together. And you watched it. You already watched it before I did. It all comes together when you're watching all Madden. Yeah. Watch this documentary. I'm not going to ruin the end, but watch it. But, I, I, but I'm going to say one thing about the documentary that I thought was really cool. Because my question, and a lot of people had this question. We asked John Robinson yesterday, hey, do you know if uh, John Madden got to watch his own documentary on Christmas Day? I, I don't know if he was well enough. I don't know if this was a, a, a sudden passing. The fact that in the documentary he does get to see some of the people talking about him, I thought was unreal. Especially now you know that he passed away and he got he got to see... So many people say nice things about him. I thought that was friggin' dynamite. I was confused. I'm, wait, what are you not giving away? The end? Yeah. What happened at the end? Uh, a couple of the people who said nice stuff. Okay. And Madden's reaction. Okay. Because yeah, I, I was like, we, we know the end. He does a, creates a video game and lives his life. <laughs> like, that's the end. Um, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Sure. Uh yeah, that's that's a very it was a cool thing and and yeah the the style of the documentary is that they shot people saying things and he got to watch them, yep. uh, but he did not want to watch the finished product uh, until it actually came on television with his family. But you uh, you can tell a lot of the people talking about him he didn't he hadn't seen like he hadn't had that conversation or they hadn't said it to him or he forgot, you know yeah. like there was a cool moment. I don't want to ruin it, so just well, I'll leave it. I'll leave. It. Just watch it. <laughs> I want to know now. Just watch it. Well, I thought the Trey Aikman stuff was cool. Like yeah, we talked about cool. the Troy. There was a the, there was a game. Whenever the hell it was, Troy Aikman's twenty nine years old. Pat Summerall points that out. There's they're kind of mocking. They do the telestrator. You know, Madden says Aikman's trying to grow a beard and blah blah blah. And it's funny. It's a really funny oh, thing. Yeah. It was like it was classic Madden. And Aikman had never seen. He didn't even know that happened. Yeah. On TV. Yeah. So that to see, you know for him to see it, it busy some like thirty years later. It's pretty cool. It was very, I, I I loved it. I thought the documentary was awesome. And it also, as you pointed out, like we all know, there was three phases of John Madden's career. Uh, you know, coach, broadcaster, video game guy. I think a fourth, too. What's that? Like 30-year pitch man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, and and he that was, was... He was a high achiever in everything. Sure. Um, but, I mean, that kind of spanned all those things, too, right? So, I mean, there was three phases, distinct phases of his career, but I thought the documentary did a good job of tying those together and saying... All three of these things that he was doing, coaching, uh, broadcasting, creating the video game to make, you know, the specifics of football more accessible to people, were all teaching. Yeah, and I that's know, what I, he did. Yeah, I think you tying got, those was, all together. That was the thing you got the biggest kick out of is that, and, you know, bottom line, he was a teacher. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't think a lot of, and that, that, like, that was behind everything he freaking did. Yeah, and he didn't want to be a broadcaster until they were like, well, why don't you 
broadcast the way you want to by teaching people something as they're watching the game. And he said, okay, and, you know, why don't you do this video game? And, like, well, it's five on five. Like, the graphics are, no. And, like, well, why don't we make it 11 on 11 and actually show people what real football is kind of like and, and teach them how to call plays and manage a clock. And he said, okay, I'm in for that. So it was all it was all about teaching, all about teaching the game, making the game more accessible. And um, I thought that part was very, very cool in the documentary. I thought it was great. Uh, the timing, I mean, it sucks and it's great. It's great that, hey, it got very popular and very big and people want to watch it because he died. Uh, but also, you know, a, a perfect kind of wrap up to his life. Number one. I don't know why I've gotten into this the last couple of weeks. I guess because I'm intrigued by the middle of the NFL. But I've gotten into the PFT rankings. I'm sure it's that Miles Simmons who's doing it. Probably not. It's Florio. <laughs> the teams between 8 and 7 and 7 and 8, there's 12 of them. Sure. Not between, but, you know, with those records. PFT has the Niners as the best. Dolphins as the second best. The other day I, I, I put together my list. I had the Dolphins as one of the worst. Of course. As one of the worst. Uh, Raiders actually were the worst two weeks ago. Now they're up to uh, number 19 overall. So the Niners are number 12. Raiders are number 19. The worst, 8-7, and 7-8 seven, seven and eight team are the Broncos at 23. I don't agree with that one as well. Well, you think they're better? Yes. Okay. Simply because of their defense. The Saints right now, without their quarterbacks, are awful. I guess they're coming back. Um, I also... Should the Browns be in the middle of the pecking order of all these teams? No, I think they're probably first. You think they're the best, really? Probably, yeah. With Mayfield. How about this? Browns are winning the division. Really? Yeah. Have you bet it? I don't know if you can bet it in Vegas anymore. Uh, well, I can't bet the NFL as somebody that covers the NFL, Steve. That's a good point. I forgot about those, that, <laughs> those tricky ethics things. Sure. That tricky ethics stuff. Yeah, I, I, I think Raiders underrated, overrated at 19. Uh, again, the Niners are number 12 overall. Broncos are 23. By the way, the note on number 19 Raiders at 8 and 7. Could Rich Basaccia coach his way into the full-time job? Wow. Uh, sounds. Yes. Sure. They win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, guess. I mean, I guess. They have to win the Super Bowl. I much more trust football insiders. The DVOA rankings, I think, are the authority on where teams are uh, and by the way it you know one of the problems that subjective rankings like this have uh, like you're mentioning PFT and nothing I love PFT but um, it's very tough for them to rank teams out of order of their record right where it's like you know you sometimes you see a team like eight and seven and you put them like number one people, what what well, sometimes they're the best when the Raiders were three and oh right uh, and on according to DVOA I believe they were the 23rd best team in the league and you never see subjective rankings do that. Um, right now, I believe the Raiders are like 21st. I think that's about right. I think it's probably where they are. Yeah. Uh, well, that's where PFT screwed this up. The Dolphins are not the 13th best team in the league, nor are the Eagles the 14th best team. So let's cut it out. Well, how about this? Mix it up. According to DVOA right now, the way to DVOA, which actually takes into account games more recently, more than games early in the season, you know, the worst team in the entire NFL still has a chance to make the playoffs. 
It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. I'm not an expert on the, the COVID, you know, I I'm not really sure how that works, and I'm not sure if he gets two negatives tomorrow or two negatives two days in a row, and so, we, you know, we have a whole slew of guys that, that handle that. I just know right as of today, he wasn't able to practice, and um, we'll see what happens tomorrow, but uh, if it's the five-day protocol, then... He probably would not be able to play. So we'll find out here as the week goes on. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. There he is, the coach. Sounding more authoritative. Really could be a candidate for this job moving forward. They went out. Raiders go to the playoffs, win a game. I'm on board. Adam Hill is here. Cofield. Stanford route is with us. Nice enough to join us on a Thursday. What's up, Stanford? Fellas, fellas, what's going on? Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays. Is that premise ridiculous? Uh, you can call me on a bunch of different fronts. So they can, the Raiders can win the last two games, they can win a playoff game, and then Basaccia gets the job. Ah, uh, man, I think uh, right now you still have a lot of things that are, uh, a lot of possibilities on the table, to be honest with you. I think that if they were to go and win these last two games, which I think they can, uh, I think that uh, for him to go ahead and prevail this team after the distraction of the John Gruden saga, after the Damon Arnett situation, after the Henry Rugg situation, to be able to go ahead and be able to uh, withstand and endure all of those distractions and prevail this team and lead this team to the playoffs, I think would be a triumphant effort by Rich Versace. So I think that if that were to happen, he deserves a strong look at earning the permanent head coach job. Do you have any other names in mind or thoughts right now? And, and if not, like, is it is it just too early? Is it not fair to the team right now to talk about it? I, I think it's not fair to the team right now to talk about it. They're in the midst of a huge playoff run, a big game coming up on Sunday afternoon against the Indianapolis Colts. Is Carson what's going to play? Is he not going to play? Who knows? But, you know, to your question, I'll just go ahead and give my uh, give my answer. You could go ahead and throw in uh, Eric Bieniemy. You could maybe throw in some hot shot offensive coordinator that right now has this team leading the league in some offensive statistical category, something like that. Um, but nonetheless, I do believe you need an offensive-minded head coach to come in and run the show. That's my personal opinion. But, but ultimately, I believe it's going to have to be somebody with a strong voice, going to have to be somebody that has direction, just because we see what this season has entailed. Distraction after distraction, you need to have somebody who has a voice. Doesn't mean they have to have a loud voice, but they have to be somebody that commands the respect of everybody in the locker room and everybody's willing to follow him. That way, whenever there's a distraction, it's, hey, guys, listen, I know what's going on outside. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your head down. Keep your head low. Let's go ahead and do this thing. So it's got to be somebody that can command that level of respect from the players. Does it? Do you have to completely distance yourself from, you know, this regime? Not not the Basati regime, but the Gruden regime, just because of how out of control it got. <laughs> uh, I think I understand what you're trying to ask me, so I'll go ahead and, uh, and answer. I do believe that it would be hard to retain many coaches from the John Gruden regime because they may feel they may still feel away. Right. So if you bring in some new head coach and now he's got a few leftovers from the from the from the previous administration, 
they may not buy into what this head coach is preaching. They may not want to go ahead and follow him blindly because they still feel, well, you know, my man John Gruden, I feel like he got a raw deal having to step down from everything that came out in the email. So sometimes as, a, as an organization, it would behoove you to just go ahead and clean house altogether because you don't want those leftovers with all those those uh, those harsh feelings, or should I say those hard feelings, still left over and really has nothing to do with the new person in charge. It's just because they're nostalgic about the person that left. So, I mean, I, I agree with with what you're saying almost completely. The one, I'll just play devil's advocate a little bit on, are you falling behind? Now with the new rule that you can start interviewing guys now, you're seeing teams like Jacksonville already in the process. Yeah. Like, are uh-huh. you kind of screwing yourself by falling behind here? Because I, I think you should you owe it to the players to let them finish out the season, try to make the playoffs. But at the same time, if you're falling behind, like you're talking about the future of the franchise. Oh, absolutely. Now, like I said, it's disrespectful to the players, absolutely, because they're the ones who still are trying to fight to go earn a playoff spot. That's why I would not let the players know about it. You know, things only get out when people want them out. So, for me, I'm, have, I'm conducting these head coaching interviews, things like that, but I'm doing them internally. I'm doing them privately. I'm not letting the media get a hold of them simply because, yeah, I don't need that to be a distraction to Rich Bisaccia, who right now still has a chance to prevail this team to the playoffs. So absolutely, it's a distraction, and it is unwanted attention. It's questions that they have to answer in the locker room, whether it's on media day, things like that. So, yes, it's a distraction to the players and the coaches, absolutely. But if I'm the GM, if I'm the owner, I have still my due diligence that I have to the organization in its totality for years to come so i still have to do what's best for the organization down the line and not just worrying about being a distraction to the players and the coaches right now presently uh at the facility let me ask you about on the field this week going up against the colts everybody knows what the colts want to do they want to run the ball with jonathan taylor they want to get behind that big offensive line as a defensive back in the league what is your preparation like this week knowing hey, all eyes are going to be on 28, and our focus is on 28, but I have to do my job. And sometimes, like we saw against the Patriots, the Colts throw it you know, seven, eight times in a game. So you you have to do your job every play, but also everybody knows what the actual focus of the defense is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my, my focus is going to be the same as it is any other week, just because, yes, we know that they're going to come in there, they're going to run the ball. So obviously i got to come up and tackle. i got to have good eyes if I'm going to get the nub side on the offense where it's just a tight end, there is no split out receiver or something like that. i got to come up, feel where I'm supposed to feel, come up and be physical in the run game and go ahead and try to tackle Jonathan Taylor. But if I'm aligned on my receiver, I still have to play pass first. I have to cover him. Once I then see that it's a run play, then I go peel off and then go try to help out in the run game. But you do not want to go into a game just thinking, oh, well, they're not going to throw the ball. They're not going to throw at me because that'll be the one or two times where they do throw at you and it's a big completion or it's a touchdown, which could lead them to winning the game. So you never want to just walk into a game or just in your preparation thinking, oh, well, there's no way they're going to do that. Because in my anticipation, we saw how the Raiders played on uh, Thanksgiving. Thursday afternoon against the Dallas Cowboys, who have a pretty good run game. They got 
a good offensive line still, and the Raiders did a good job against them. We saw what they did against Nick Chubb with the Cleveland Browns on Monday night of last week. They held him to under 100 yards. So for me as a corner, I'm thinking we are going to do pretty good against the run. I know they're great against. I know they have a great run game, great running back. But I think we're going to do pretty good against the run. So they will have to pass on third and six third and seven, things like that. So that's why I say I'm still going in with the same preparation, the same mindset as I do if I'm going against the Kansas City Chiefs or the Green Bay Packers or any team that throws the ball a The great Stanford route joining us as he does each and every week, breaking down the Raiders, getting ready to play the Colts on Sunday in Indianapolis. Uh, the Raiders ran the ball pretty well themselves last week for the first time this year. And quietly, listen, it's not great, but they're getting better. Uh, Andre James, since week seven, has been maybe a top five, top six center in the league. Brandon Parker had his best game of the year last week. Like, they're coming together pretty well. How important is it for them to take another step forward? To not, you know, to not just say, hey, we had a good game and, and take a step back. Like, they have to build on that performance, right? Oh, it's paramount. I think this game is going to be one in the trenches. Pretty much every game in the NFL is one in the trenches, but especially with what Indianapolis brings to the table and how there's still a chance that they'll be without Carson Wentz, having Sam Ellinger uh, playing quarterback. You know they're going to lean on the run even more. So, And then Indianapolis has a really good front seven. Darius Leonard, you got Brenton Buckner over there. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, DeForest Buckner going to the Pro Bowl this year. So, this game is going to be one in the trenches, offensive line and defensive line. So no matter what, to your question, yes, they have to take a big step, or should I say continue taking big steps. That is paramount so they can be successful in the game. I think Josh Jacobs is going to have to have another 120-yard, 130-yard rushing performance to go ahead and try to eat up some of the clock, establish field position, but also just walk in and establish the mentality, the mindset of we're going to hit you in the mouth. You're not the only bully on the block. We're the bully on the block, too. We're a little bit further west than you guys, but, hey, we're a bully on the block, too. So I think that the game is going to be won or lost in the trenches on both sides of the ball. So definitely, yes, the offensive line, they have to continue coming because this is the time of year where if you want to be in the playoffs, you have to be ascending. You cannot be descending. You, you mentioned they have to take a step forward. Josh Jacobs has to have a good game. Can they take a step forward? Can he have a big game? Hell yeah, they can take a step forward. <laughs> he can have a big game. Hell yeah, he can. No doubt about that. The Indianapolis Colts are a good team. Indianapolis Colts ain't winning no Super Bowl, at least not by my opinion. Now, like I said, good team. I like Carson Wentz, Frank Reich. Good coach. One of my boys is the quarterback coach out there for Indianapolis. So, trust me, they're a good team. Got a good staff. But they're by no means, like, invincible. They're by no means the perfect, perfectly constructed team in the NFL. I would not go that far. So, yes, they can be beat. And I think that if the Las Vegas Raiders do not beat themselves, and I think that if they go out there and establish physicality on both sides of the ball, I do not see any reason why they cannot win the game. Wow, Stanford taking shots at me because for six weeks I've said Colts are the best team in the AFC right now, and they will go to the Super Bowl. So okay. clearly not in agreement with me. Now, now let me ask you this: <laughs> Would you? No, let me ask you this: I know what city you guys are in right now. <laughs> would you go to the Strip? And would if, even if hey, I get it, Colts are a good team. They could very well be the best team in the AFC. They very well could. Would you go to Las Vegas Boulevard to the Strip? Would you go to Sportsbook? 
and put your money on the Indianapolis Colts winning the Super Bowl. Uh, we're sitting in a sports book right now, Stanford. So, uh, okay. would I, if I was allowed to bet on the NFL, if somebody Stop, covers the answer NFL, the, answer the yes. question. They're twenty to one. Yes, I They're would. Twenty to one. You would yes, take I them at twenty to sure. one. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll take them at twenty. You would yeah, put, no problem. You would go and put your money on the Indianapolis Colts beating the Green Bay Packers, I the would, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, I wouldn't bet them at even money. I'm not going to bet you straight up that they know at twenty to one. Absolutely, I'll take that bet. Well, let me ask you: Why wouldn't you bet it straight up? Because there's, there's, you're going against like seven, eight other teams that have a chance. No, it's just silly. I, I'm, I'm also well, an intelligent better. <laughs> <laughs> and all I'm, what I, all I'm simply saying is the Indianapolis Colts are a good team, but I don't think anybody is putting them up there as really being a Super Bowl favorite or even a true Super Bowl sure. championship contender is all I'm basically saying. Uh, I am obsessed with this story, and I want to get your take on it. Uh, Joe Burrow lit up. Lit up the oh, yes, seventh, the seventh and eighth stringers from the Ravens, who they had signed Sunday morning to take the field. <laughs> Bart Scott uh-huh. now Bart Scott comes out and said, "Hey man, good job. You've created an enemy for life." Where where do we stand on that? Because I I tend to agree. Like, what are you doing? Throwing? I get it. It's the NFL. Whoever you're playing against, you play against. But everybody understands uh, on Sunday. And by the way, I did tell people Sunday morning. Uh, bet Joe Burrow to be the leading passer today. That is something you can bet on. He's going to do whatever he wants. Baltimore had players that had never even been in the facility before out on the field, and you're still throwing in the end of the game when you've thrown for 500 yards? That's nuts. It is, but we all remember what was said earlier in the week by one of by one of the Baltimore coaches. Yeah, by, Wink Ma- by, by Wink Martindale of the D.C. He opened his fat exactly. mouth. Exactly. <laughs> Don Martindale, a lot of people call him Wink, myself included. He was our linebacker coach in Oakland for a number of years. One thing that I remember out of him and Robbo, they both had their own their their own personality. They both had their <laughs> own vocabulary yeah. in which they used to identify and describe the opposing team's quarterback who we're going to play this week or the opposing team's offensive coordinator or their head coach. Now, Don Martindale being one of the great coaches that I've always known him to be, and he's also very passionate and he's very colorful with his answers. He said, well, I mean, I don't think he's ready for a gold jacket just yet. Well, I'm sorry. Don't we applaud Michael Jordan for taking what he feels is a slight and using that as motivation. We applaud Michael Jordan for that. So we got to go ahead and we got to applaud Joe Burrow. Yes, he's going against seventh and eighth stringers. I get that. But if he goes out there and throws five interceptions against seventh and eighth stringers, everybody's talking about him potentially being a bust or he's inconsistent, or he can't lead his team. So, yes, I get it. Hey, you know, he had a really good game, but it's against seventh and eighth stringer, so it doesn't really count. But I tell you this, it would have counted if he were throwing five uh, interceptions. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Everybody would be crucified. So, I get it. The kid's playing with a lot of tenacity. He's got a chip on his shoulder. I love that within players. I do not think that you can be good to great in this game without having some level of motivation. And I love what he said earlier this week. They ask him, so, you know, have you been back to go look at the film? Is there, you know, certain plays that you want to go back and look at? He said, with a, you know, with a nice little smirk, he said, I think we all know what happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I thought that was perfect. Yep. Stanford, that was awesome, man. Really good spot. <laughs> we'll talk to you in 2022. Uh, be safe. Have a good New Year's. Yeah, man, you guys be good. Be safe. Happy holidays to you, and happy New Year, fellas. There he is, the former Raider. Stanford route on the way back. Uh, Adam and I will give our picks for the Final Four in college football, and we'll see if we can get a leaner like 
from, uh, well, I guess me, since Adam is on the Raiders beat. At the William Hill Race and Sportsbook, sign up for the mobile betting app and get $50 added to your account. Emotionally, I think we've been through everything. You know, physically, um, this has been one of the more demanding years for whatever reason, on top of everything, uh, for myself. At the end of the day, like we always talk about, nobody cares, you know. The, the fact of the matter is, is that we, you know, we have two games left against two really good football teams and we need to win them. And uh, if we do, that we can get in. I think that'd be pretty remarkable. I think it'd be pretty amazing. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Derek Carr on the way back. I took the Raiders plus seven. I think it is going to be a close game. And uh, I also think there's a good chance Carson Wentz doesn't play. So we'll see. We don't know. They're going to keep it a mystery about his condition if he's symptomatic or not. I know he's got two young kids. I watched that Hard Knock show. So be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Halftime, Michigan State pit. 14-10 Pittsburgh on top. Michigan State Got a 50-yard catch from Speedy Naylor, who's the guy who played at Gorman. Great. Reed is great, too. The receivers are really good. Missed a field goal on the doorstep. So, 14-10 at the break. I I think that's Kenny Pickett upstairs at the game. Yeah, I think most – I mean – Is there anything wrong with that? Like, like there are people pissed off right now. Uh, Let me find our buddy Larry Brown. No one really knows who that is, but Larry Brown Sports. But – Larry was going, thanks for the lookup music. Um, Larry was going crazy earlier saying it was, uh, I guess, blanky. What a blanky move, poopy move, uh, by Kenny Pickett attending Pitt's bowl game instead of playing in it. He said, and then he uses Mike Leach's quote. You know, Mike Leach went off and said that uh, you've got an obligation as a player to, to the place that help build and develop you, and finish it out in a bowl. Hey, bro, he he saved Pat Narduzzi's job. Yeah. I don't think people realize Pat Narduzzi was on the edge of going bye-bye because Pittsburgh was not achieving at a high level. I don't know. I'll tell you this. Kenny Pickett is a Jersey guy. He actually is from one of the towns I you know, grew up in for a little bit, Ocean Township. Um, if, I'm, if I'm other schools in the area, I would use – I would definitely – well – I'm, I'm kind of crossing things yeah. here, but yeah. no. But I would if I if I see Pittsburgh fans who are like, you know, f Kenny Pickett, like no, 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 no. And I, I don't get it. Ohio State fans did it last week to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Like, do you realize what these guys did for you? <laughs> They're on to their pro career. The game's an exhibition game. Yes. Like I'm all about loyalty, and you know, I, I'd love to see kids finish it out. But I think most kids who who are on those teams are like, bruh. We know you have bigger goals. Don't risk it. It's a, it's all these people on the sidelines, and then it's a guy like Mike Leach, who's really never been a pro player guy. No, you know a lot. Is, Mike, been, Le- is Mike Leach going to pay for these kids if they get hurt? Mike Mike Leach and, and the and money that, and, they lose, and, and that's the guy I would use it against. And anyone you're going up against for you know against Mississippi State on for a player, I would negative recruit. I don't think that's the way to recruit, but I'd be like, just be careful. This is what this guy says. I hope he has your best interest in mind and not his best interest. It's like the Bayheim of college football because Bayheim does that crap too. Yeah, it's it's silly. It's it's completely guys, low character crap. Guys that guys that are about to go to the combine or about to embark on their pro career, especially guys that are guaranteed first, second, and third round picks, have zero business playing in bowl games. Zero. And if they want to do it because they want to have a good time, whatever, that's fine. But stop, stop with this. 
I love this quote. Get in the bag for a second. Uh, I love. Thank you. Uh, I love this quote. And you know, this is an NFL guy who's he's a draft guy, but he's not watching college football week to week. Daniel Jeremiah was very good. He said, talked to with an SEC coach a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned that the league was very top heavy this year. Oh. Well, the coach says it it, it. it means something. And remember, I had Cincinnati number one for much year? of the year, and I had Georgia not making the Final Four. So we'll see how this plays out tomorrow. I think Michigan is going to win, and I think Alabama is going to be in for it against Cincinnati. I think it's going to be a really good game, and I hope Cincinnati wins. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I think I think you've been wrong all year, but I also don't think if Alabama wins by forty, it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean I know, but we're, in in the world or if that we Cincinnati's close, in, it in the world right. we exist in, we're not going to do the one-off thing. That it doesn't mean a whole lot. That we need a bigger sample. These games count. They're going to lead to a national champion. I think Cincinnati can beat Alabama, and I think Georgia was unveiled. And I, I tell you, I'll go back. You know, about ninety minutes ago, Michael Felder, our college football expert, has said it all year long. He's like, be careful on Georgia. He's like, Kirby Smart is way too. And he, Michael listed some of the best players in the game, and several of them are guys on the Georgia offensive side who Kirby Smart will not use. Like, like long range, they're, they're, they're going. That's the other thing. Did anyone watch Stetson Bennett? He ain't good. Well, it's. it's they it's, play a conservative style. They're going basically strength for strength against Michigan, and I actually do believe Michigan's explosive players are better than Georgia's because he won't use them. Yeah, and just, I mean, I, I think that's that tells the tale in the quarterback himself. Darnell Washington is a monster. And I know they have another great tight end. They, they never throw him the ball, another Vegas guy, Desert Pines. But it's, throw it's, him the ball! It's results-based thing that we always talk about, which is it's the worst form of thinking, but it's, well, that guy's winning. Why would, why would we take him out? Well, the other guy's better. Yeah, but he, he won. Well, why would, why, would we take, why would we make a change? Dave. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Did you see Mike Golick with the Oreo in the mail? Oh. Junior, not senior. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's disgusting. The reaction from one Australian writer, which has been posted in multiple places, headline, commentators disgusting on-air act proves U.S. is beyond saving. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't know. Basically is is it another case, symbol of the decay of society in the United the case, States? If, a, if an American is going to go on TV and dip an Oreo into mayo, then what hope does the U.S. We've, have in general? We've lost it, yes. I think it's fair. Just a gluttonous nation. Uh, the, the guy, he's, I forgot about this one. He said, move over, chicken dipper. We got a new contender for the most heinous food crime ever committed. I forgot chicken dipper. Chicken dipper was... Uh, I don't even know who this is. Alexa Greenfield, remember, she was the one who was dipping chicken fingers in a, uh, in a soda at the 2019 U.S. Open. That was gross. This you is know, though, I, I will go back to what our buddy Michael Felder, who's also a foodie, said earlier. Don't yuck someone else's yum. Oh, I will. No. Mayo you is. You will not. Mayo is a disgusting food. There are some stuff that you eat. Maybe you don't eat it so much anymore. That's, that's gross. Like what? Oh man, the, the the black olive thing. That's I love. Black I will olives. yuck your yum. Black olives are delicious. Ugh, no, I hate no, them. No. <laughs> I hate them. I hate them on pizza. I think you're making that's fine. But I think you're making up that you don't like black olives. Just no, to make I a point I, here. I don't like black olives. I don't. They're that's why that that's why that was part of the reason that whole thing exploded five years ago, where JVT and Studio had a conniption live on air. Does does the appearance count? 
for yucking someone's yum? Um, yeah, I, mean, I guess you can, yeah. I mean, obviously, my whole Cincinnati chili thing was part of the conversation. Ugh. And I likened it with Felder to um, basically it, it, it harkens back for me to my days when I like Chef Boyardee and Franco-American. And it's like it's just kind of dressed up and, you know, a little bit better. A lot better. Nothing wrong with those things. Right. But, but Cincinnati chili's fine. Don't yuck my yum. But no, it's not the same at all. It's not even close to the same. You're insane. Uh, who's going to be in the final for college football? The, the referees will make sure it's George Alabama no matter what. So what, it's it's fine. Damn. Cynical. Cynical, but I'm afraid in some ways you may be right. That's what they wanted. They they, they manipulated the rankings to do this. They That's should, what they yeah. wanted. They absolutely should be playing as a two and of three course. against each other. Of course. And, like, you think it should have been Michigan-Cincinnati. All right, Silver 7s, come on down here all weekend long. Great spot to ring in the new year. Great drink specials every single day. Thanks to Ari, Mateo. Thanks to the folks here at Silver 7s for hosting the show. For Adam, it's Cofield. We are back tonight with a late-night podcast, 9 o'clock Pacific, up at Steve Cofield.